0: Well, good morning. It's great to have you here this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, years ago, probably more than I want to admit, my wife Julie and I, we had an opportunity to go down to Universal Studios, and we, we toured the whole place and did the whole Universal Studio thing. Anyway, on, at the end of the day, we were starting to walk out of, the, out of the facility, and as we were walking towards the exit, we noticed this large crowd had gathered, and we started to realize, oh, they had all gathered around this uh, Marilyn Monroe lookalike gal, right? Uh, And we're like, ah, let's just go, you know, we don't, whatever, Marilyn Monroe. And then all of a sudden, I remember that my grandfather had always been a really big Marilyn Monroe fan, and so I was like, ah, we should probably just stop and we'll take a picture with Marilyn Monroe. And so anyway, so I'm waiting my turn to pose with Marilyn, and I'm kind of feeling silly about the whole thing, kind of like, ah, she's not that amazing, she's not that special, whatever. Eventually, it's my turn. So I walk up to Marilyn Monroe, and I just sort of said, yeah, my grandfather was a big fan, kind of trying to implicate to her, like, I'm not that impressed. (laughs) Like, it's not that big a deal. You're just Whatever. So, you know, we put our arms around each other and took a smile, you know, smiled, and my wife took a picture. And then I thought we were done, and I was getting ready to walk away. And she grabbed me by the shirt, and she pulled me back in close. And then she whispered into my ear five words that for the rest of my life, I don't actually recall what they are. Because what she said doesn't matter. How she said it mattered. I, this is just honest confessions from a pastor. Um, my legs went to jelly. My heart was like, I don't even know what you just said. My mind was like, oh my, God. literally, the, the lookalike Marilyn Monroe, intoxicating. I don't even know how to describe it. And in that moment, when she said that, I was just like, wow. I couldn't even imagine, what was the, what was the actual Marilyn Monroe like? I mean, famous and money and Captivating, And she could walk in and own a room, and she was an actress, and she was a singer, and she had all kinds of attention. She had powerful men clamoring to be around her. And yet when you look at her life, she was a person that was completely lost. So much going for her, so many amazing things, and yet the sad reality of her life is that she never truly found out what life was all about. She never discovered her ultimate purpose, her ultimate reason for existence. It appeared to never truly be found. Her life was riddled with depression and paranoia and emotional confusion. And unfortunately, because of all of that and because she never discovered who she was, she eventually took her own life. Largely based on the reality that she was never able to truly find her purpose, her reason for, for living, and unfortunately, that's where a lot of people live. A lot of people never have a, have never figure out their purpose for living. There's this, there's this sense that there must be a reason, there must be a purpose that we've been given life. It, it can't be an accident, but oftentimes we don't have a clue what that purpose is. This morning we're going to take a look at our final core value for us as a church, and we've been doing this uh, for the last couple of weeks, and we're going to wrap it up next week. But this whole idea of how do we make it matter? How do we make our lives truly matter? And if you and I have any chance to actually make our lives matter, we have to then understand our purpose. We have to understand why we exist, why God has placed us here. Because if we don't figure out why God has placed us here and the purpose for our lives, we will be all over the map trying to figure out why we've been given the life That we've been given, and we'll continue to struggle with that. So, we're trying to look at our core values over these weeks, um, and we see these as our core values for us as a church because we see these as the core values for us as individuals. So, before we dive into the idea of serve this morning and our focus for it, I just want to review, real quickly, with you, our vision statement as a church. Our vision statement as a church this is what drives us, this is what helps us know what we're about. Silver Creek Family Church exists to create opportunities for people to be transformed by God. That's why we do everything that we do, and then the way that we evaluate if we're accomplishing that and making that happen is through our mission statement, and this includes our five core values. Our mission statement is this, is to invite people to know Jesus and connect them in his family, train them to grow in Christ, and provide opportunity for them to serve in the church and in the world in order to worship God with their whole life. That's what we do. That's what we're about, and so today, the fifth core value that we're going to look at is the idea of SERVE. And my hope this morning is that when you leave today, you will recognize that you have the 100% option to choose not to serve. You do not have to serve. You do not have to give of yourself. You do not have to volunteer. We all have the option to choose not to do that. But when we choose not to plug into that critical core value, we will miss out on a huge piece of our purpose. And you will leave and you will find yourself going through life being unfulfilled and longing for the reason that you exist. In a letter that was written to one of the early churches, uh, one of the great early spiritual leaders, a gentleman by the name of Paul, described this concept and kind of described what it's all about. It's on the screen. It's in your message notes. This is what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. He said this, We are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Understand, before you were born... Before you even existed, God was planning in advance what he wanted you to be able to do with your life. He shaped you. You are his workmanship. He created you. He designed you. He shaped you and created you to be able to do good works. Each of us, every single one of us, we were made to contribute, not just consume. We were put on the planet not just to take up air and take up breath and take up space. God put you here to make a difference. Your life is intended to impact this world. And it really doesn't matter how long you live, what matters is how you live. It's not the duration of your life that matters, it's the donation of your life that matters. And every single one of us, we were shaped to serve God. None of us were designed for a free ride. None of us get a free pass. And actually, you don't even want to check into that free pass because you're going to miss out on what God wants you to experience in life. And the Bible's very clear. You and I, we were created to serve God. We were created and designed to serve him. We were called to serve God. We were commissioned to serve God. If you know Jesus, you were saved to serve God. You were given gifts to serve God. Job 10, 18 says this, It says, your hands, being God's hands, your hands shaped me and made me. All of us, every piece of us, God was designing you. He was shaping you. God meant for you to play a role on this earth. And that role that you were designed for, it's not going to get done by anybody else. God's going to accomplish his purpose. God's not going to miss something. But the role that you were designed to play, only you can play that role. God will still get it done. You and I will just miss out on being a part of it if we don't fulfill the part of it that you and I were designed to be a part of. Nobody else can be you. You are uniquely shaped to make a contribution that only you can make, to serve him in only the way that you can serve him. And the amazing kicker of the whole thing is your gifts and your talents and your abilities, those things that God has created you for, They're not just for your own benefit. I mean, I hate to tell you this, but but your talents aren't just your talents so that you can have a nicer life. The skills and abilities that you have are not just so that you can get through life and things are bigger and better for you. In fact, it's way bigger than just that. One of the guys by the name of Peter spent more time with Jesus than just about anybody else. Peter said this. He said, each one should use whatever gift he's given to serve others. So when you look at your life and the way that you've been shaped and the gifts and the talents and the skills that you've been given, God did not bless you with those so that you could pile up more money. God did not bless you with those things so that you could become famous or collect more stuff or make your life easier. You and I were given the gifts and the talents and the skills that we were given so that we could serve others and serve God in the process. At the core of who you are, you were designed to give of yourself, to serve. And there's this amazingly beautiful connection between the core value that we looked at two weeks ago when we talked about worship. There's this amazing, beautiful connection between worship and service. And that idea is that we serve others as an act of worshiping God. One of the amazing opportunities that you and I have in the way that we can worship and honor God is to serve others and give of ourselves. I mean, a lot of us, if we were to poll and talk to each other, we'd be like, I'm really ready to serve God. Not so sure I want to serve people yet. The problem is, it's impossible. Because the way that you and I serve God is by choosing to serve others. And anytime you and I use our, our gifts or our talents or our abilities that God has given us to serve somebody else in the name of Jesus, that's considered what's called ministry. And if you read through the Bible, anytime you come across the word ministry or the word service, it's the same idea. Or if you come across the word minister or the word servant, it's the same word, it's the same idea. And so if we were to sit down and I were to ask you, hey, hey what, what is a minister in your mind? You would say, well, a minister would be like a, maybe a priest or a pastor or maybe somebody that wears a funny collar, right? Like that's what we would tend But but the truth is, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you're a minister. Then you're a a servant of His. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are or whether you're male or female. It doesn't matter. We're called to be ministers. And each of us have a ministry that we were designed, that we were created to be a part of. And only you can do what you were created to do. Nobody else can fill that role again god's gonna get it done god's gonna make it happen but you and i were given specific design to serve in a way that only we can serve god created us to do that and what's so incredible about god is not only did god say i am calling you to serve i desire for you to serve i'm gonna give you gifts to serve god's like i'm gonna model for you what it looks like to serve i'm actually gonna just show up and show you how it goes So 2,000 years ago, God decides to leave earth and comes down in the form of man and shows up as Jesus. And Jesus certainly came to die for us, but he didn't didn't just come to die for us. He didn't just come to die so that we could have forgiveness of sin. He came to show us how to serve. He came to show us what our life can look like. He's like, "Mm, let me model it for you. I'm going to ask you something really big, he said. Jesus is like, I'm going to ask you to give up your life, but I want to show you how it's done, so watch how I live. So then Jesus goes on and he says this. For even the Son of Man, the Son of Man is another name for Jesus, even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the great thing. You and I are not called to do anything that God himself was unwilling to do. Jesus never says, so I'm going to show up and probably eat some bonbons. Everybody grab some fan, you know, some big branches and fan me down. And I got a bunion that somebody needs to work out. Somebody take care of that bunion. No, he's like, no, no, no. I, I came to serve. Jesus is like, I like, I came to give my life so that many could have life. He came saying, I'm going to be an example of what it's like to give of yourself for the benefit of others. And you and I now have the same opportunity to give of ourselves, to offer our life as a service to others. Ultimately, we get to serve as a ransom for many. So our goal this morning, what I'm hoping we can do is begin learning to serve like Jesus. We can begin to understand what does it look like when you and I choose to serve the way he does. Because in our lives, we're going to keep searching for worth, and we're going to keep searching for self-esteem. The problem is, so oftentimes, we try to find self-esteem and significance and feel good about ourselves in ways that don't really do that. We're going to try to find ways that will, that will prop ourselves up, that will give ourselves the, a feeling of worth. The problem is, way too often, we're looking in the wrong place. Because you and I will never be able to find our self-esteem in status. If you're like, ah, oh, I just got to get to a certain level, the problem is we'll, uh, we'll get to that level and then we'll see that other people are further up on that level and we will be like, eh, all right. We won't be able to find our self-esteem in our salary if I can ever just make enough money. No, we'll always either want more money or we'll see somebody else making more money and then it's back down. You won't find your self-esteem in success. Always be somebody else a little bit more successful There will always be one more thing to accomplish. There will always be one more thing. Jesus said, listen, if you're willing to lose your life, that's when you're really going to find what life is all about. It's like if you will give of yourself, if you'll give your life away, that's where you're going to truly find meaning. That's where you're truly going to find significance. You find the greatest significance in life when you choose to serve others. And honestly, once you and I begin to do that, some of the greatest thrill that you'll ever experience in life is saying, God, I'm available for you to use me. Whatever your plan is, whatever you want to accomplish, God, I'm going to make myself available for what you have for me. That's when we begin truly serving like Jesus. And I think there's three ways that you and I can really serve like Jesus. The first way when we serve like Jesus, we serve like Jesus means we're available. It means being available means choosing to allow ourselves to say, God, if you want to use me, go for it. Jesus is walking down the street one day. He's headed to the city of Jericho. As he's walking, a couple of blind guys figure out that it's Jesus, and they start yelling. Here's how the story goes. It says, two blind men shouted, Lord, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. There's a a huge key right here. See, when we think of serving When we think of doing ministry, when we think of giving ourselves, we oftentimes think it's about about going, or doing, or starting, or moving. Jesus just demonstrated one of the keys to serving is stopping. He he was on his way to Jericho. He had plans. He had an agenda. He had things to get done. He was going. And he stopped just because a couple guys started yelling. If you read through the New Testament and you start to just look, and you started to read, any time where it says, Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. We discover this very incredible truth. Almost all of the most amazing moments of ministry and the most amazing miracles of Jesus were a result of an interruption. But he was never bothered by the interruptions. In fact, Jesus, over and over again, just embraced them. And he would just stop. Because he considered each of those interruptions, each of those moments where he was doing life, going somewhere, had something to do. He's like, oh, no, no, this is the chance to do ministry. I mean, if you go back and you look at the list, blind guys, interruption. People that were sick, an interruption. Somebody with a back that was messed up or or a child that had died or, or somebody that was deaf. These were all interruptions. I mean, think about his very first miracle. He's at a wedding just hanging out. I'm just chilling at a party. Hey, we're out of wine. Interruption. He's on his way to Galilee, his second miracle. He's just on his way, doing business life. Interruption. But he never minded. He never, he would never was like, nope, nope, nope. He's like, no, I love people. And he knew his purpose was to serve God by serving others. And so he just made himself available. And for us, so often, that's not the way we normally function. You and I don't tend to embrace interruption because it slows down our agenda. It slows down what we got to do. Hey, here's the deal. We have DVRs now. You are not going you to miss your show, <laughs> right? Like, it used to be a lot more costly on a Thursday night not to get home by 8 o'clock. You would not catch the Cosby Show or ALF or whatever. But, like, now, we're just like, it'll be on later, on demand. Like, we have no excuse now. To be available means we have to embrace the potential of interruptions, but recognize that those interruptions can lead to ministry and to serving. But if you and I are going to make ourselves available, there's a couple barriers that we have to overcome. The first barrier we have to come, overcome is self preservation. Because we get caught up in our own plans and our own dreams and our own ambitions and our goals and objectives. I don't have time, God. Your plans are not as big as my plans. I got stuff. And then because we got so much stuff, we don't have time to, to help because we're too busy or we're too much of in a hurry or it's not in your day timer. I, does any, I don't even know if people use day timers anymore. You have to write, like just use your phone. Anyway, um, in a letter to one of the early churches... It addressed this idea of self-concern. It says this, it said, forget yourselves, just forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. It's really hard to lend a helping hand when all you're thinking about is you. The number one enemy to you and I being compassionate is busyness. Just in a hurry, don't disturb me. I know you have a problem, but I got my own dreams. Don't bother me, I got my own bother's. I don't want to hear about your problems because it's just going to disturb me from getting done what I need to get done. And the problem is, is that self-preservation causes us to be unavailable. And if you and I want to serve like Jesus, we have to figure out how to be available. second barrier that prevents us from being available is perfection. We, w- we want to wait until it's the perfect moment to start serving. When it's perfect, then I'm going to start doing ministry. That's when I'll start serving others. Oh, one one day when our kids grow up, then we'll start serving. When we have our financial security in place, then right now we are just got to make money. You know what? When things are great, maybe you're in school, and when, you're, when I get out of school, then we're going to get involved in ministry. That's when we're going to get involved in serving God and serving others. The Old Testament warns against this. The Old Testament says this. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. You know what that's saying? There's never perfect conditions. So if you wait for life to be perfect, that's not happening. So oftentimes we say, well, when things slow down. Has it slowed down for anybody? Have any of you, have you has there been that moment? Like, the only time it slows down is when you stop breathing. And then you're not serving anybody. So, so, what that means is we have to learn to serve when it's not ideal, when the world isn't perfect, when we haven't got everything figured out. Sometimes people are like, Well, I, I don't think I can serve because I can't do it well enough. I'm not going to be good enough to. At Silver Creek, we're, we're not expecting perfection. I mean, we let me preach, <laughs> right? So, like, we can recognize we're not looking for perfection. But what we recognize is we're going to work to do our best. We're going to give the effort that we can, can, and then we're going to recognize that God will take whatever humble efforts we can offer, and God will make incredible results come from them. We, we have no idea, We have no conclusion or no guess that we're that good at anything. We just recognize that God is that good at everything, so we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be available and then let God do something incredible through it. Third barrier that keeps us from being available is our stuff. See, you and I, we can either figure out how to get as much stuff as we possibly can, or we can figure out how to use our stuff to worship God with it as much as we can. Jesus makes this a really powerful statement. He says, No servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. What's great here is he doesn't say you should not. He doesn't say you shouldn't serve God in money. He just says, you can't. He's like, it's impossible. You, you, you kind of have to choose. What are you going to serve? Me or money? You just, you just can't do both. And I know that for some, God has made you wealthy. And actually, I'm just, in this room, we are all wealthy. Like, you, you don't have to look too far outside of our country to begin to recognize the amazing blessing that we've been given. But let's just play it out in America, right? So we all have this idea of what wealth is. So so maybe God has blessed you and you're extremely wealthy. That's amazing. What an amazing blessing. But if for you and I, our number one goal is to accumulate wealth, we are going to miss out on what God wants to do in our life. Because when this life is over and you get to heaven, God's not going to ever say, hey, let's take a quick look at your bank account. How'd you do? How'd you do? What he's going to say is, hey, tell me about your life. And if when God says, tell me about your life, your response is somewhere along the lines of, well, I got this awesome rate of return on this one investment portfolio, God's face is going to be like, what? Uh, I think you missed the question. Because God's thinking, what have you accomplished with the blessing that I've given you? What impact have you had on eternity with all of the resources that I've poured into your life? And so oftentimes we find ourselves busy or unable to serve and not available for God's purposes as we're so busy trying to accumulate. And what we have to be aware of is that we have to decide whether we're going to serve others and serve God or whether we're going to serve getting stuff and having more resources And if we decide we're gonna serve more resources and getting more dollars, we have to recognize that that's a choice to pass up and miss out on one of the core values that are so essential to who we are as individuals. And if you're finding that you're not, you're so busy that you can't serve, you probably have to take a real serious look at removing some of the busyness from your life and finding a way to serve, to make yourself available if you have any hope of actually serving like Jesus served and being available. second way that we serve like Jesus is that serving like Jesus means being grateful. Jesus lived in this constant state of gratitude. He was continually demonstrating gratefulness for his life. In fact, when you look at the history or the story of Jesus, he had this habit of actually thanking God in advance for what God was going to do. Not after the fact. I mean, he would be thankful after the fact. A lot of times he was thanking God in advance for what God was going to do. It was like early gratitude. One story, Jesus is about to go see one of his friends named Lazarus, and a lot of people thought Jesus was just going to his funeral, um, which makes sense because Lazarus had just died a couple days later, so it's not too weird to think he was going to a funeral. But Jesus is like, no, I'm on my way to serve Lazarus and his family. Jesus in his head is like, I'm about to raise him from the dead. And this is going to be pretty cool. Listen to the prayer that Jesus prays in John 11 and notice the gratitude before anything even happens. It says, Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me because I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Basically, Jesus is like, I could have just prayed silently and this whole thing would have worked out, but, but I wanted these people that are here today, and I think John's writing this down, so people are going to hear about it later. I want people to see that I was grateful before it even happened. That I was grateful that you could hear me before you even responded. And I know it's easy for us to be like, well, yeah, I'd be grateful too if I could raise people from the dead. Like, right. But that's not the point. The point is that, that Jesus is thankful before the miracle even takes place, He's grateful in advance. And some of the greatest miracles will happen in your life and in my life when we're grateful before it even happens. When we learn to be grateful for what God has done in our life and what God might be doing through through the situation that we're in, that's when God will do some of the greatest things that we will ever experience. And sometimes we're like, "Ah, I don't have that much to be grateful for. I'll just give you a list of a few things to be thankful for. Jesus died for us. Jesus Gave us life. He offers us forgiveness. He's shown us grace. He's given us incredible gifts and talents and skills to use in life. He's given us the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven. If God does nothing else for us in life, if God does nothing else, if you never get any other benefit, that list should be enough to lead us to be grateful and give devotion to him for the rest of our lives. And as much as that list might feel, make us feel a little guilty, and we're like, okay, I will be grateful. I will do it. We get tripped up on gratitude so quickly. We get, we get caught up in so many things and wanting so many things, and, and we forget about the things, and we, we just tend to forget to be grateful. There's things that just tend to keep us from being grateful. There's some other barriers that prevent us from serving like Jesus and being grateful, two barriers that tend to get in the way. The first barrier that tends to get in the way is that we tend to be comparing and criticizing others. Oh, we're really good at this one. We're really good at comparing, and then we're amazing at criticizing. The problem is comparing and criticizing pretty much just suck the ability to be grateful out of our lives. Paul wrote in a letter, he said this. uh, He said, Who are you to criticize someone else's servant? The Lord will determine whether his servant has been successful. You and I, we're we're God's servants. So so it's really up to him to evaluate whether or not you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, or if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and if we're doing it at the level that God has called us to. So when you and I find ourselves comparing with others or criticizing others, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, don't forget, we're all on the same team. But like, like, ultimately, we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. I mean, the reality of it is we all have the same goal. We're all trying to serve the same God and serve people in a way that directs them to Him. He's just given all of us different abilities and different strengths and, and different ways to live out the purpose of this idea of serving Him. Ultimately, all of these different abilities and skills have been given to us so we can get the entire job done. So, when we compare, oh, I wish I was like that, or I wish I could do it like that, and he's not doing it well enough. We're just robbing the process. But our, but our human nature just, just tends to be gravitating towards this idea of comparing. It just tends to be where we end up sometimes. I mean, let's just imagine this Lord, what if I came up and I gave you a cookie, like a really good chocolate chip cookie? I mean, one, we just, just came out of the oven, and so you can smell it as it's coming and you're like and i give you this cookie and you're like oh i'm so grateful for this cookie what a good cookie this is going to be a great cookie and you're like you can almost taste it before you even put it in your mouth and you're just looking forward to it and you're like oh i'm going to eat this cookie and thank you so much i'm so grateful for the and then at about the time that you say grateful for i hand the person next to you a dozen cookies and you look at your cookie that's a pathetic little cookie can't even smell it anymore because of the smell of the dozen cookies and you're like I don't even I don't even want to eat this cookie because when I'm done eating this cookie I don't have any more and you're gonna have 11 more after you eat your cookie and then we're like damn we just throw the cookie away and we're like I'm gonna go over here and not eat a cookie and then rather than enjoying the one cookie we miss out because we're like he has so many cookies I know it's ridiculous that's just what we do I wish I could sing like, never Brent, I wish I could sing like her or him. Like, What if we all just did the most with the cookie we've been given and then just celebrated what others are able to accomplish with the cookies that they've been given? Second barrier that gets in the way of being grateful are just wrong motivations. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6.1. He was talking about this idea of serving with wrong motivations. He says, when you do good deeds, don't try to show off. If you do, you won't get a reward from your Father in heaven. Let's admit it. Sometimes we serve for some very self-serving reasons. I mean, just as humans, we just, we just easily get caught up in wrong motivations. Ah, I'm going to serve so that people like me. I want people to admire me. If I do this, it's going to help me accomplish some of my other goals, and then we become motivated by the wrong thing. God, if I serve you then you can serve me back. God, I make a deal. I take care of you. You take care of me. I scratch your back. You scratch my back. God's like, ah, no. We get caught up so easily in wrong motivations when it comes to serving God. We want to look noble. And it gets mixed up so easily. Sometimes we humbly want to go serve, and as we're humbly serving, we're like, I hope somebody notices how humble I am. Uh, missed it. We, we just so easily get our emotions mixed up and they become the wrong motivations. But the problem with wrong motivations is they'll get us started, they just won't keep us going very long. But there are some types of motivations that will keep us going. The joy that we find by giving of ourselves. The fulfillment that comes when we see something amazing accomplished that we got to be a part of seeing lives transformed as people experience God's love, the connections that we get to develop as we serve alongside of other people, recognizing that God is thrilled that we've chosen to serve him and it's an act of worship. Serving like Jesus means we choose to be grateful and it means we choose to make ourselves available. And lastly, the last part of it is serving like Jesus means being faithful. Faithful means we just don't give up Even when we get discouraged or tired or hurt or somebody criticizes, it's not a matter of saying, well, I'm just going to take my ball and I'm going to go home because I'm not appreciated enough. It's a matter of saying, you know what, I'm just going to keep serving for the rest of my life. I'm going to keep finding ways to be faithful. I'm going to keep finding ways to be persistent. I'm going to continue to give of myself to do what God has called me to do so that someday when I stand before God in heaven, he'll say, hey. You completed the work I gave for you to do. Good work. Serving like Jesus means being faithful. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, throw yourself into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time. Nothing. Pick up garbage, stack chairs, whatever. Nothing is a waste of time. It all matters. And real servants of God recognize that the task And the dedication, the visibility, it doesn't matter how complex it is or how irrelevant it seems. When you and I are choosing to serve God, it doesn't matter how big the task is or how little the task is. It doesn't matter whether it's a high-profile situation or a behind-the-scenes situation. When we're going to serve God, we have to recognize and learn that there's a major difference between prominence and significance. Prominence and significance are not the same thing, but for whatever reason, for day, today in our culture, we taken, we've taken the idea of being famous, and the idea of famous is the same as being important. It's, just, it's not true. It's just more people know you. There's a huge difference between what is prominent and what is significant. Stick with me on this. On my body, there are some parts that are more prominent than others. One of my more prominent parts is the last part of me to enter the room. I'm going to try and keep this PG, so just follow. When I was younger, having a very solid back end was really helpful playing sports. In basketball, if you know anything about basketball, you got to box out. And when you want to box out, you use your backside to hold the player off. So having a prominent back end at that point was helpful. I referred to it as my powerhouse. I could dunk for a while, and I think that's where I got it from. But, but today, my prominent part doesn't do much for me. It just hangs out back there. And it makes it tricky to buy jeans. It's, it's not helping a whole lot in life. It's prominent. And if you want to stare, that's weird, because I'm the pastor. You just got to take my... I actually wore a longer shirt so it would hit differently today. (laughs) But here's the deal. If I had less of a posterior, it wouldn't matter at all. It wouldn't change my life at all. If a prominent part wasn't... It's not all that important. And If it went away, all would still be well. But... One T. There are things that are not as prominent, that nobody sees, that nobody notices. My lungs are not prominent at all. My heart is not prominent. Nobody's ever seen my liver. But if I lost any of them, I'd pretty much die instantly. Not very prominent, but hugely significant. The same is true in the body of Christ. Most of the parts, this is horrible, I just recognized. Some of the parts that are most prominent, that are up front, that everybody sees, are not that good. I just compared myself to my back end. I just, I just made that connection. The parts that are most prominent. I didn't see that illustration going there until just now. Um, whoops. <laughs> the behind the scenes stuff. That's still bad, behind the scenes stuff. The stuff that nobody sees. God says that's the most significant part. The most important part of God's body, the being the church, being us, are the things that oftentimes nobody sees. But those little things have the most enormous impact. Two Thursday nights ago, a crew of individuals show up and they pull out all of the props and all of the staging and everything and set up all of Fusion. Nobody saw it. And then another crew of guys comes in after that, and they set up all of those speakers and all the microphones and all of the tech gear. Nobody sees it. But if they don't do their thing, on Sunday morning of fusion, the actors and the singers, they look really silly, dancing and singing and acting in an empty gym with no music and no lights. But every part is important and critical that each person serve in the way that God has called them to serve. And let's just get real practical. I don't have it up here. In your program this morning, there's a little sheet that we put in there called Opportunities to Serve. And my guess is if you saw that already this morning, you've been doing everything you possibly can to ignore it because you knew it was coming. (laughs) So I would just challenge you to pray and say, Holy Spirit, would you guide me as I read through this list? God, would, would you guide my eyes and would you guide my heart and would you guide my mind? And as I read through this list, God, if, if you cause my heart to just jump a little, if you cause my mind to just pause a little bit, then ask God, God, is this something that I can ignore? I don't, I don't want you to ask, God, is this something you want me to do? Because if you say, God, is this something I want, you want me to do? You don't have to do anything unless he's really clear with a yes, and then you're like, well, it wasn't really audible, so I guess I'm good to go. But if you say, God, can I ignore this? Then unless you get a really clear, yep, then it's probably something you need to pursue. And all we're asking is, is check the box. And uh, This is not a lifetime commitment. This is just a, okay, God, this is a willingness to get some more details, to get a clearer understanding of what's available of ways that I can serve you, some opportunities that are out there, and for you to begin to pursue what God has designed you to do and discover at a deep and even deeper level what is at the core of who you are. So again, I challenge you to look through that list can take it home with you. You can pray over it. Maybe you've even already looked through it. But we also put these green Connect cards in your program each week and just challenge you to think through what it is that you've heard this morning to think through what's your next step going to be based on what you've heard. Maybe your next step this morning is to acknowledge that you were created to serve others, as Jesus did. Maybe your next step is to decide that you'll make yourself available to whatever God directs. Maybe your next step is to begin to serve as an opportunity, not an obligation. But maybe your next step is to simply be the best volunteer you can be in the areas that God has for you. The band's going to come and play one last song. Um, Let's just pray real quick before they do. God, thank you that you allow us to be a part of what you're trying to accomplish. God, thank you so much that you allow us to make serving you be an act of worship. Would you help us to be responsive? Would you help us to make ourselves available to be grateful? God, and ultimately just to be willing to be faithful in what you call us to. Help us to respond to the things that that you place on our hearts to not give up and just continue to pursue and find our place to serve. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen.